it's your big rig here. Um, so we're going to discuss today a little bit of the Mets hangover, what they're what they're seeing, what they're, a little bit of clear clearer vision they had over the weekend. I think they're taking a step back and noticing, you know, what a good year they had, how they came together as a team and, and got to the World Series. And I think they're starting to appreciate it a little better than they were you know, after the loss, because when you when you lose a game like that, your your emotions are high. You, you don't really do things or say things that you, you mean. And now that the let's say the hangovers worn off, and you can think more clearly, you notice that the team had a, an excellent year. They overachieved from August on. I mean, they were still hanging around the whole year. They they were in first. They weren't at first, and then you know made a few acquisitions that helped the team out. They got to where they needed to be, came through adversity, uh, beat up the Nationals when they had to, and now they're starting to realize that they're they're a proud fan base and what their team did for them this year is, is excellent. So we're going to go over some, some of that stuff and what, what not – what, what what kind of what's on the Mets fans right now? Uh, Met, Met fans minds right now, and then we have some Jets Giants where they're going into this week, how they're going to deal with injuries and players coming back. Uh, JPP's coming back for the Giants, which Coughlin said he's leaving the door open for him. Still yet to be determined. Uh, we got to see how that glove is going to be, and you know discuss that kind of stuff. And Victor Cruz, who hasn't come back yet, and it, it, I don't understand Victor Cruz. I don't understand what's going on with him. I know he has injuries that are nagging. That you know, one injury led to another. But at one point, you have to say, "Listen, am I am I coming in? Am I going to be a football player this year?" You know, you're, you're using up a roster spot. I know he's inactive and stuff, but uh, you know, he could have been on IR. And this is nine weeks in now, and he's still every week we're asking where Victor Cruz is. Now, Randall, Ruben Randall, Harris, Odell Beckham, they're doing the job. I mean, you put up 49 points last week, but with him back, I think you're a more dynamic team. Not saying that you're going to put up more than 49 with him there, but he takes a lot of pressure off of Beckham and Eli, you know, sometimes. So him in the slot is just it makes sense. He's he's a great slot receiver. So we'll see what what's up with him. We'll see if we can get any information on when he's coming back or anything. They just seem to be like very tight lipped about him. Don't really want to discuss what's going on, and that's fine. I'm gonna try and get um one of my Giants guys to come in this week and and kind of discuss what's going on with them, and you know try to get my Jets writers in here too. So that'll be later in the week. Now, as far as the Jets go. Uh, who who knows who's playing quarterback for them this week? They don't even know who's playing quarterback. Uh, we got the trade deadline coming up at four o'clock. So in four hours, the NFL trade deadline is, and usually it's not, you know, a miraculous time for teams. The NFL trade deadline. It's not like baseball where you're going to acquire someone that is going to change your team indefinitely. Now the Broncos yesterday got Vernon Davis, which is a good acquisition for them. He's he's a dynamic tight end. I think he was in the wrong system in uh, San Francisco. So I'm sure now you know how Peyton Manning loves his tight ends. He, he's going to make him. So, you know, what you want a, a sleeper pick for fantasy this week, it's going to be Vernon Davis. If he can learn the system, if he can get, 
involved. I mean, there's always that learning curve, so we don't know what's going to go on there. <clears throat> as far as the Jets and their quarterback situation, I've heard everything from Drew Brees to, you know, RG3 to everything. It's just speculation. You don't know what's going to happen. Everyone keeps on making these statements and with no backing. You can't take on contracts that are going to bury your team, especially when you work so hard to get away from that in the last couple of years. You know, Idzik, as much as you want to say bad about him, put our team in a very good position for this new regime to do what they did in the offseason. Now, do you want to go and kill that for a one-shot deal, a one-shot run? You go get Breeze, and that's not even saying Breeze is available right now. So we're going to see what do. Hopefully they do something, uh, maybe bring back Matt Flynn. That seems like the most, you know, realistic uh, transaction they could do today. Who knows? They might go out and try to get Joe Namath back or, uh, you know, someone someone to that nature because they are in shambles. Geno Smith is not a good quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a good quarterback. They're both not good quarterbacks. Bryce Petty's too young. You know, he's still got the pacifier in his mouth. Who knows what this kid can do? He, he may be good one day, but the Jets have always been known to ruin their quarterbacks, their rookie quarterbacks. Now, Sanchez we took in, Geno Smith we took in, they're starting the first game of the first year, and it hasn't boded well for them. So maybe this time away where Bryce Petty doesn't have this pressure on him, because I'm not necessarily sure that he thinks he's an NFL great quarterback right now, and the Jets certainly don't think he's an NFL great quarterback right now. Otherwise, they'd be going to him right now. So, and, and you know, so most of the times he's inactive on the roster. So Geno Smith is our quarterback this week, I guess, and, and depending on what his shoulder prognosis is. I know he has large bruising on his shoulder. Who knows? We're playing the Jaguars. Thank God we're not playing anyone that can beat us. Now, with that being said, the Jaguars have beaten the Bills and the Dolphins, and they've beaten – they got killed by the Patriots. So hopefully – we can do something against the Jaguars because this is definitely a must win for the Jets. It brings them to four and four. <clears throat> as far as wild card goes, it's a little too early to tell what's going to go on with that. But the Jets are in position to do something in the in the postseason, depending on what is made today. I, I still think we need to make a some kind of transaction today to benefit the team. As far as where where it goes and what what it's doing uh, now. Ryan Fitzpatrick needs surgery on his thumb. doesn't mean he's going to get it. He tore all the ligaments in his thumb. We don't know what he's going to be doing. Uh, Gino, you want to go into the playoffs with Gino? Name one Jeff fan right now that will sign up for that. Not one. So we're going to talk about that. Talk about the Knicks. A little bit of Rangers. Just go over their seasons. I mean, it's a little too early. I know everyone's excited. Knicks are starting off 2-2. We'll go into what Melo's doing. Porzingis is doing. Uh, we're going to take a break. 347-989-0635 is the number to call. Follow me at The Big Rig Show on Twitter. Ask me questions there. I'll read them off during the show. We'll be back in a second.
We're back. You big rig here. Uh, we're going in three four seven nine eight nine zero six three five. Give me a call. Follow me on Twitter at the Big Rig Show. And uh, we're going to start off with the Mets a little bit, just because there's a little hangover from the World Series. People aren't done talking. About the Mets. And, uh, it's understandable. They want to talk to the Mets. They want to talk about the Mets because this team has drained them of emotion over the last nine months, and it's they're a good team. They they show a lot of promise. Now going in. And I had a discussion the other day. The Mets starting rotation, right? These young kids that they have, Harvey DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mats, Wheeler. You know, you can't forget about Wheeler. Uh, they're good. They're they're probably if the best, if not one of the best starting rotations in the league. Now, with that being said, in the playoffs, they they look good. They did their job. They shut the teams down that they needed to shut down. But it didn't have that wherewithal, that that kind of no one stepped up except for Harvey. I, I guess Harvey was the one in, in that last game on Sunday night who kind of stepped up and said, listen, I'm going to the eighth, I'm going to the ninth. Now, they pitched well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they did not pitch well. But Harvey pitched like an ace. Harvey pitched into the eighth, into the ninth. And that's what you want to see. You want to see – you want to start seeing – some pitchers, when you get in that situation, separate themselves and, and and make a defining role to who's the ace of the staff. So I guess Harvey, in the beginning, we thought DeGrom. DeGrom pitched great against the Dodgers. He That game, that second game against the Dodgers where he didn't have his stuff and he fought through. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that too. But as far as giving you quality start where you don't have to deplete your bullpen and, and being that guy that say, you know, come on, jump on my back. I got you guys. Harvey did it. And Harvey did it in the world series. Um, you can argue DeGrom and Harvey are kind of one and the same, not pitching style wise, but you know, mentally wise. Uh, I think Harvey is a little more emotional than DeGrom. DeGrom doesn't show his cards as much as Harvey does. Uh, Harvey came out, fired up the other night, ready to go uh, in that ninth inning. And a lot of people are starting to speculate things in, in that ninth inning that happened that could have changed the game or could have went differently. Now, one thing I want to say, and I've been hearing people talk about this, is David Wright with the, you know, letting not covering third and letting the ball go to short and holding the runner. Dude, that is an absolute – bang bang play where you don't have that decision making you don't know where your shortstop is behind you i understand that you should be covering third but let's say your your shortstop's playing in the hole or i i understand he should know where he's playing but i you can't be mad at david wright for for taking on that that grounder because if duda makes a throw at home you're 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 playing another game right now. I mean, Duda has to make that throw. David Wright, yeah, he probably should have been covering I agree. But you can't – I mean, that's such a fast play. There's, there's no decision-making when that ball's hit to where, you know, it's your natural instinct just to go for the ball when it's that close. And you can't be mad at him. If someone thought like that where, you know, it was that quick and that bang-bang and you, you had the – the slow brain speed where you can decide whether you're not going to take that. That's pretty impressive. David Wright did not have it. I don't blame him for it. If you got it for him, then 
you know, I don't know what I don't know what to say. Yeah, you can't make that decision for the guy. He, he can't make the decision on the on the field. So he made the play. Bottom line is a good throw to the plate, and he's at, he's out. Hosmer did not have a good jump at all. He was maybe ten feet off the bag at that when he took when he broke because David Wright did up. I mean, yes, it was a quick glance, and yes, it was a fake look up just to kind of hold him, but he didn't have a good jump. He was dead to rights at the plate if Duda makes that throw, and you can't beat yourself up over what happened, and David Wright, I don't think he's, it's even a second guess in his mind that he should have fielded that ground ball. I think when he hears the reports of him letting that ball go to shortstop, I think he's probably laughing about it because it's not even a question. Uh, you can't make that play in such a, a quick manner like he did. Um, he did a good job. You can't really blame him for that. Duda should be blamed for that throw. Uh, you got to make that throw if you're a major league first baseman, especially in the World Series. And when it comes down to it, defense lost you the World Series. Uh, D- Daniel Murphy, he showed his true, true colors at second base. Now, I don't know what Daniel Murphy we were seeing in the first two series because what you're seeing in the World Series was the Daniel Murphy that you had all year. He's not a bad baseball player, but he's not a good fielder at all. But you, you, everyone knew that. And he he got exposed. He Bill Buckner, the, the ground ball in, on Saturday night, which cost you the game. And that was the turning point. And once you lost that game... I was talking to my buddy, and I said, you lose this game tonight, and the series is over. You can't go down 3-1 to this team. You win that game on Saturday night, and it's a whole new series. You're, you're probably up 3-1. And not not to mention, your bullpen went into the into the games, right? And Familia came in with only one clean inning, and that was the first game, game uh, inning number nine. He came in in the eighth with runners in score uh, – well, runners on. Okay, he came into the eighth, and he didn't start fresh there, but he started fresh in the ninth and gave up that home run to Gordon, which you can't blame him. I mean, I, I would consider that his only blown save. I don't know how you're considering the other ones a blown save. He's co- inherited runners every time he came in the pitch, and it's just not a fair evaluation to Familia to judge him by what happened. He got he got the short end of the stick in this World Series, and – I, I wouldn't lose any faith in him at all. I, he's still a great pitcher. Uh, as far as your season overall goes, I mean, we talked about it. You guys did great. Uh, uh, sign me up for the World Series in the beginning of the year. Everyone signs on the dotted line. Everybody. And that's the way it should be. Now, to go that far, I don't understand how how it is. Like In 2000, 2002 or 2003, when the Giants went there and lost, it was devastating, and I, so I know I know how it feels to to go there, but it just seems like when you go through all that preparation and and in your mind that you're going to the World Series, you got to the playoffs and you won those that that battle against the Dodgers, and then you came in and you took care of the Cubs because the Cubs were ready. Now I will say this: the Cubs and the Mets are kind of going to be like the new age rival. Because I feel the Cubs are going to be there every year, and I feel the Mets are going to be there every year for the next couple of years. Barring anything stupid that the Mets do, trading-wise and signing-wise and burying themselves, I feel that it's, you're going to see the Cubs-Mets in the NL C- 
FCS a lot. So we'll see what happens there. They should be able to, you know, bounce back next year, get a few additions. As far as signing Cespedes and and Daniel Murphy, I wouldn't sign either. Uh, I know Cespedes did a lot for you guys. Do you, after that performance in the World Series, he he lost a lot of money. He did. He he lost a lot. Someone team is still going to pay him certainly a ridiculous amount of money. We'll see what team that is. I don't think it should be the Mets. I don't think the Mets are going to do that anyway. So I think you have nothing to worry about there. Daniel Murphy, you might keep him around. Um, I think you can get someone better for the price. Of Daniel Murphy. With, with that being said, I think you should bring up the kid you have in the farm system, bring him in, and go and get yourself a hitter, a, a legitimate power hitter, because you need someone to protect Wright, Granderson, Duda, all those guys. Daniel Murphy's not your guy. It worked in the playoffs up until a certain point, and then it stopped working. And you, could, you ran – hey, the Mets, you, you guys ran that way thin. You, you guys were going on fumes coming into that that World Series. And you got there. That's all that matters. Played good. Played damn good. Played like a championship caliber team. I mean, if you ask most people, including myself, I thought you guys were the favorite with the pitching staff. But once again, the Royals were the anti-Met. They hit the ball. They put it in play. They make your defense play the game of baseball. And if your defense can't play, they're going to beat you. Hosmer. I mean, how many foul balls did that guy hit? How many foul balls did the whole team hit? They just never give up. And listen, the Royals are the Royals. They're going to be that team for a couple years now, a couple years to come. You got to do what you got to do. That, but the hangover is over. The Mets fans are proud of their team. I see a lot more tweets and a lot more statuses coming out that you're proud of your team, and you should be. The The team played well. I mean, if you got to the first round and got knocked out, I think it would have been a lot easier than getting knocked out in the in the World Series, especially the way you got knocked out in the World Series. You can't go into a World Series and, and lose when you're winning in the eighth inning. And the ninth inning, three games, and lose the World Series four to one. How is that possible? How do you go into a World Series with that kind of lead, one run, two run, in the eighth and ninth inning, lose the games? Can't do that. You need a better bullpen. The Mets are going to try to find a nice setup man. Clippers not it. A nice setup man, a good lefty in the bullpen. You guys need to. So as far as hitting, I think you need a, a, a good hitting outfielder. You have Conforto. You have Granderson. Ligaris is good defensively, but he's a nice bench player, Ligaris. He's not an everyday player. You can get someone to fill that spot that can hit a couple home runs and protect your guys in your lineup, that will be great. But more importantly, you need to work on that bullpen. You're starting pitching, and if your starting pitching is not going to go more than six, seven innings in the playoffs, you're going to need a a damn good bullpen to to counteract that. And if you look at the last couple championships in the in baseball, they've all had pretty decent bullpens, especially the Royals. 
that three-headed monster in there. And they they were even missing their closer. Wait until he comes back. So we'll see. Good job, Mets, this year. I mean, you guys, you're all proud. You're all proud fans now. You didn't expect this. You went from a losing season last year to, to the World Series. That's a turn around. That's what Sandy Olson was promising year in and year out. Next year's the year. Well, next year was now. You finally did it. You finally got to that now stage in the Sandy Olderson era. And he produced. Terry Collins made a couple boneheaded plays, boneheaded calls. But that's Terry Collins. You expect that. You watched him all year. So, Met fans starting to come down. Your 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 feelings are changing, and then that's a good sign. You have a lot to look forward to. Three four seven nine eight nine zero six three five number to call at the Big Rig Show on Twitter. Taking a break. Be right back. Here three four seven nine eight nine zero six three five at the Big Rig Show on Twitter. Follow me or don't follow me. I don't care. I'm just sitting here talking to myself anyway. <laughs> so now 
with the football season going forward, you have the Jets, you have the Giants. Giants have some help coming back, depending on whether JPP makes it there this year, this week, rather. Um, You have Victor Cruz, who knows what he's going to do. We talked about that a little bit before. Who knows the the calf injury, knee, needed a calf, might be ankle next week, might be big toe, might get some turf toe. Uh, Who knows? It's going to keep on flowing down the leg. I feel maybe transfer over to the left leg and go up that leg. Who knows with Victor Cruz? I think he got paid and he doesn't want to play anymore. It's my opinion. Uh, We'll see what he does. The giants are, believe it or not, still in the race for a playoff after that loss, that, that crushing loss to Tom Coughlin talking about the punt, how he, you know, didn't want to punt it out of bounds. He wanted to punt it for distance. And it's just, Every week and week in, week out, this team has some kind of thing they did wrong from a coaching perspective and for, from a, you know, a defensive perspective, too. Uh, you, you think he'd have this stuff figured out by now. You think he, he'd seen most of the stuff in this game to come across it again, but he hasn't. And, you know, that's expected, I guess. You can't really blame the guy. The their Giants are a tough team to coach. Their offense is high-powered. Their defense is lackluster. They're just a a a straight shootout team. And if your offense isn't on, you're gonna you're gonna feel it. And last week that was on, it was just not not as good as the Saints. And the Saints haven't done that in a long time. They took a a bad defense, they exposed it. You took a bad defense and exposed it. And you. You got beat by three points in the last seconds of the game. Can't be, can't really be mad about that. So, we'll see. Uh, the the Giants. I don't really know it's, that punt. You know, you kind of remember about the Sean Jackson, where <laughs> I think your punter was immediately fired after that. That uh, the Sean Jackson punt, the punt heard around the world. That thing was atrocious. I remember that. Oh my God, what were you thinking? And then you kind of do it this week. Wasn't quite the same, but you know, you get beat on special teams, you get beat on defense. Uh, but in all actuality, if you go to OT with them, what's it going to be? You're just going to go shot for shot downfield. Pretty much what it was looking like anyway. I see no coverage on anyone. People wide open. I mean, they were doing the chicken little flea flicker on you, throwing bombs to the end zone. Willie Sneed looked like, uh, you know, Jerry Rice. So, it just, you know, but Harris looked good, too. You guys, that's what Eli does. He makes these guys look good. But Victor Cruz coming back would be great. JPP, maybe get some pass rush on on these opposing quarterbacks. That'll work a little bit. Especially if you're a Giant fan, you want to see some kind of sack. It's a this is a wow. This is a lot different than what you guys are used to with the tuck. You know, JPP, Omanura, that line. Remember that line? That yeah, you guys are far away from that. You can't even see that anymore. Those guys are old now. They're on the verge of retiring. Had to make changes and. You won the Super Bowl with that defensive line. They were a huge part of your your Super Bowl wins. 
And to not build your team like that through the draft, knowing that these guys are getting older and knowing that you're going to have to replace these guys at one point is, is kind of a, you know, a mark on Jerry Reese's whole deal. Jerry Reese needs to build the team and what, what you win with and how Coughlin coaches and how Coughlin's assistant coaches co- uh, coach. So to have guys not in play, bandits coming back, hopefully this week can help you guys out. Switching over to the Jets, who are my the bane of my existence, who can't seem to get anything together no matter who we have on this team. You can bring in the Patriots and put them in Jets uniforms, and they play exactly like they play because they're the Jets. I'm convinced about that. It is the it is the laundry that make the Jets the Jets. Well, I'm kidding, obviously, but it, they have to start playing better. This team, they they no intensity on Sunday, and Todd Bowles called them out too. He said they had no intensity. So they played well, which I didn't see them playing well. Did anybody else see them playing well? Because that didn't look well to me. That looked like the farthest thing from well. That looked like, you know, the Ebola virus. If someone was well and the Ebola virus was sitting right next to them, I would say that would be the Ebola virus, the way the Jets played. Because that was not well. There was nothing about that was well. Cromartie played like one of the worst, probably one of the worst games I've seen him as a Jet, other than the fact that he's like, you know, Jack the Ripper and rapes everyone that comes across the field because he cannot defend properly. Now, Darrell Revis puts his hands all over people too. Yes, he does. He's a little bit more slick than that, though. He doesn't get caught. And it's the stature. It's the name stature. Cromartie doesn't have the name recognition that Darrell Revis does. And if you don't think that's a, a – a thing in the NFL name recognition to these refs and everyone, you're you're an idiot. You're a fool because there is name recognition all over the place. A lot of guys get a lot of calls and don't get a lot of calls because of their name. You get a rookie out there, and I've heard it in the NFL studios and the NFL whatever, the NFL film stuff. Hey, you, you know, you haven't been in the league too long. Can't get that call. Are you serious? When are these officials going to be on the line? A lot of pass interference calls I see, not just in the Jet game, all over the league, that are not pass interference. There was a play where the guy is coming over and trying to make a play on the ball. Now, this is what pass interference. If you're trying to make a play on the ball and you have a, an arm behind the receiver and you want to try to catch this ball with both hands and you come through him with that arm, and come through his shoulder or come through his back, and you hit him, which you're going to, to make a play on the ball, it shouldn't be pass interference. I don't care. We protect these receivers week in, week out, year to year. It gets worse and worse. Can you imagine what Dan Marino and Joe Montana would do in this NFL? These records would be shattered, shattered. Now, I'm not saying, you know, the top three quarterbacks, Manning, Brady, and Rodgers are, you know, anything less than Montana and Marino. But in Breeze, but they would come into this league and absolutely dominate, absolutely dominate every every team they play. And it's kind of sad that you don't have that new crop of quarterback either that's coming in that 
gives you like that kind of potential. I mean, maybe Andrew Luck, but he's taking a step back this year. So you don't have that anything to look forward to. The last group of great quarterbacks was, you know, Roethlisberger, Manning, and Rivers. Other than that, who do you have? Russell Wilson is not that good. I mean, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah, but so is Joe Flacco. You think Joe Flacco's a, a Hall of Famer? Absolutely not. Matt Ryan, who won one playoff game in his life? No. These guys are not the Hall of Famers and not great quarterbacks. They're, they're, they do the job. They get the job done. But they're not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And, and as far as pass interference goes, and that's the reason why they're doing so well, is because you, you can't touch a receiver. And I'm not just saying with the Jets or the Giants. It's it's every game. Every game I watch, I had the red zone, which is a fantastic channel. But I see a ton of things happening in every game. And, and the NFL needs to make a decision. If you're making a play on the ball, it shouldn't be pass interference. you got to give the defenders something. You have to give them the ability to hang their hat on on a play that they know they can make without getting penalized for it. And this defensive holding is running rampant through the league this year. Every quarter of every game, there's a defensive holding on a receiver. Listen, what happened to the five-yard cushion rule? I understand some people get held up, but if you just like if your finger gets hooked in a in a sleeve of a jersey, come on now, don't call that. Just let the guys play. I've always said this: let the guys play. And you know that's what McMahon had when he brought in the XFL and all these other leagues, because you want a more competitive league that's going to let the kids play and and have that ability to hit and, and not leave. You know, now you got to lead it with your helmet. Oh, listen, we're not going to call, turn this into a discussion about how badly the NFL rules have changed in the and digressed over the years, but we'll talk about this, this Jet team. We'll get back to this Jet team because they are in a shambles right now. This is a huge game on Sunday. Who knows what they're going to be doing when game time comes? Who's going to be at the helm quarterback in this team? The Jets need to tackle better. The tackling performance on Sunday was atrocious. They need to square up, head down, actually head up now. But you know, it's kind of convoluted the way the rule goes and the way they teach. You know, you have that Seahawk training way of teaching out of tackling. I don't care what you do. Just tackle the guy. Square him up. You can't arm tackle an NFL player. It's just not going to happen. Arm tackle an NFL player. Yeah, okay. That That's going to work out for you. So the Jets, we'll see. Trade deadline is in three and a half hours, three hours and 20 minutes. I can't wait to see if something happens. I'm pretty sure Mefflin's going to be coming back in quarterbacking. Uh, depending, he knows the system. He's with us in training camp. It just makes the most sense for the Jets to bring him back. Who knows what he can do? Like I said, Matt Flynn, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith are all the same quarterback. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. They're all the same. Geno had a pretty good game on Sunday, regardless of what everyone says. But you don't want the guy quarterback in your team because he can self-implode. You want the if you give the Geno Smith gives you the Geno Smith from the last four games of the last two years. Yeah, sign me up for that. If you can play like that every week, week in week out, sign me up. But as far as him taking command of this team and getting the keys to the Cadillac again, no, not like he had one, but Sanchez did. Yeah, it's not going to happen. 
We're going to take a quick break, come back with the Knicks and Coleman Ranger season. And that's Little Devils. Be right back. to the Hawks and they lost to the Spurs. So they had four good teams 
to start off the season, and they came out two and two. That's a that's a bonus. That's a plus for me because the Knicks started off five and thirty five last year. If no one remembers that, I do, and it was an awful awful experience to watch. Kind of got them to draft where they drafted, and they still fell from the draft. I mean, they, this team cannot win. They cannot win. As far as you know, Fisher goes. He had some problems in the off season. Yeah, uh, hey, that's life. You know, you have woman problems. Everyone has woman problems at one point. Uh, just so happens he's famous and he gets me in heaven. Now I'm not making excuses for the guy. Uh, tell you the truth, and I might be the major minority here, but I wouldn't mind to see him go and and Phil take over the team and get back on the helm. I think Phil would just do a better job. I know, I know Fisher's his protege and all that stuff, but I, I think a lot of people are waiting for that. I wouldn't mind that either. Phil, I mean, that's the only way they're going to, they're going to come and, and do some damage this year. Now they're over under this year was 29 and a half. Uh, I think that's a little low to tell you the truth. I mean, even if they win 35 games, that's still, you know, they're losing 42. You're still losing. You're still under 500 by seven. So to be 29 and a half, I, I, I felt this is a little low. I felt this should be around 33, 32-33. Just I know they're going by what happened last year, but hey, the Knicks are a different team this year. Melo's back. Melo alone can win you 30 games. He's done it before. So I don't understand the, uh, you know, the whole point of that over under, but we'll, we'll, you know, we're not going to go into that too much. Uh, so their fifth game on Wednesday is against Cleveland. You're talking about a, a schedule that you're opening up against, and you're opening up against a, a good schedule. The first five games are are against playoff teams. And, and yeah, listen, we all know how the East is. The East is not a great division. You have the Cavaliers who are going to be there every year because of their team, and they they do have a good team. You know, LeBron is alone can get you to a championship. He's done it before with Cleveland, but now you add in all the guys they acquired over the years. It's they're, they're looking good, and they're going to be a tough, tough team to beat. And I don't see anybody beating them. I'm not saying the Knicks are going to beat them, but the Knicks are showing you a little progress this year from what happened last year. And I don't know if they you know, pretty much sat on that year last year because it kind of felt like they did um, as far as getting a better draft scenario for themselves. It, it did seem like they did that. They lost Carmelo. They they brought him out. You knew they weren't going anywhere. Why not? And a lot of teams will, will flop the season like that. And they did. So who knows? Well, I'm not saying they did. I'm, I, I feel they did. But we don't know. We don't know if they really did that or not. I, I, I'm pretty sure they did. But they're two and two. They're in second place. I know it's four games in. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But they're not playing bad. Brooklyn's zero and four. What are they going to show you this year besides losing? They're going to show you how to lose properly. That's what the, the Brooklyn Nets are going to do. Uh, if you're a Brooklyn fan, I, I don't see how you see any promise in your team whatsoever. Uh, they just look like not a good ball club. And, you know, Shane Larkin, uh, it just it doesn't 
doesn't fit feel right. Doesn't feel like a good a good scenario. It's gonna work out real well. Your your owner I heard wants to get rid of the team. Who knows if he's gonna? So we'll, we'll keep an eye on basketball this year. Try to see. I'm gonna try to though as the you know the slower months come in and we we're gonna be talking a lot more about the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, just going a quick overview because let's face it, the Mets dominated the whole the whole couple months with their with their runs and their playoffs and the World Series. It's kind of got away from basketball, but I only do an hour show. So what else am I going to do? Extend it a couple hours? I got a job to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll follow the Knicks. Uh, they're starting off pretty decent. A lot of people, you know, like my buddy who I just bet on the season that who is the biggest Nick hater you'll possibly see doesn't think we're a good team at all. I think we are. I don't think we're a good. Let me rephrase that. I don't think we're a good team. I think we're an average team. Not we're not a a twenty nine, you know, twenty nine and fifty team. The twenty nine forty something team. Uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not that. So we're gonna go into that now with the NHL. Switch your gears a little bit here. With the NHL, we have the Rangers who are in second place, and you expect them to be in second place. They're 7-2-2. Two, and two. They only have two losses, two ties. Uh, they got 16 points. They're kind of in first place. They have the same amount of points as uh, Washington. They're going to be there. The Devils always seem to be that mediocre mid-level team. They're like that. The Islanders, 6-3. and three. Tavares might be injured. He might not be injured. Who knows what's going on with that situation. Uh, hockey is not my strong suit. I can go over it. I can talk about it a little bit. I, I follow it. I followed the playoffs last year. Uh, the Rangers seem like that that team that's gritty, and I kind of like the way the Rangers play. I was I've been a Devils fan my entire life, but I'm a fan of New York when it comes to hockey, and I I wouldn't mind any seeing a New York team win for, in hockey. It doesn't really bother me. Uh, the Islanders. I like Tavares. I like the way they play. I like how they came out a couple years ago and and just started kind of quietly dominating the league. And then they fell off a little bit, and then they came back. The Rangers, I like that they're the team they built. I like the way they they operate. And the Devils are just the Devils. They're kind of like that mid-level franchise. Now, they went to the Stanley Cup a couple years ago. I don't know how they did that. I followed that, too. It was pretty impressive. But, you know, they got dominated by the Kings. So did the, the Rangers. And the Kings are a good team. They just the Kings are. Uh, I want to talk about and they, uh, for a sport I don't follow m- much. The Kings uh, definitely annoy me. So, you know, what are we gonna do about that? It's hockey. That's the way hockey is. Uh, the whole point system and overtime and shootouts. I, I think it's an improvement. I, I like it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, you know, it's an improvement. They, they changed the rules a couple of years ago. Made the goals differently. It, that that's all good stuff. It's all well and good to me. It's hockey. So tomorrow and this week we're going to be talking about obviously the Jets and Giants where they're going from this point forward. Uh, take your calls on the Mets. We're going to be back three four seven nine eight nine zero six three five. We're going to have the Jets and Giants writers come on hopefully this week. Uh, we're going to do some Hulse's hot picks later on in the week for football and college. We can get to a little college football, too, if you guys want. You know, just let me know. Send me a tweet. Give me a call. Follow me at The Big Rick Show on Twitter. Be back after this.
show here. 347-989-0635 is the number to call. Follow me at the Big Rig Show on Twitter. Um, I'm looking over this, and uh, you know, I get a little wrapped up in NFL power rankings. I want to go over this real quick. I, I know they don't mean much, and I know it's just you know, just some guy, head writer of you know Sports Illustrated or Pro Football Talk talking about you know who he thinks is the best. But I, I always, I'm always intrigued by this. Now they have the Patriots number one, which is understandable. The Broncos, yeah, number two. I understand that. There's a couple of the Bengals. I agree. So top three teams are the Patriots, Broncos, and Bengals. I agree with all three of those. They're they're good. I think the Bengals are a good team. The Broncos defense are going to carry them, and they're they're by far the best defense in the league. That's not even a question. They stop everyone. They what they did to Aaron Rodgers this week was just proved that they are a really good defense. Uh, now number four is the Panthers which I do not understand at all. This team hasn't beaten a winning record team all year, okay? They struggled with the Colts last night in prime time, which, you know, Andrew Luck is not the quarterback. He had, what, three picks last night? Three picks, and they still had to go to overtime. It was raining. I understand that. They came back. They were up 24-6, to six and uh, and they came back, or 23-6, sorry, they missed the extra point. And they scored another time. They wound up tying the game. The Colts came all the way back. The Panthers are I, – I don't, I'm not a fan of the Panthers. Yes, they belong in the top ten, but they do not belong at number four, especially in front of the Packers. The Packers are not worse than the Panthers are. It's just that's not a formality. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Cardinals are number six at six and two. Who knows with that team? They They play – from week to week, they're like the Jets. They you don't know what team you're going to get. So, I I don't like them. The, the Falcons. Who's scared of the Falcons right now? Anybody? No one. The Falcons could lose to anybody, and they haven't played any winning teams either. They played a couple, but you know they lost to the Bucks in overtime. Every week it seems like they're they're squeaking by and winning games. The Vikings. I'm not a believer in the Vikings either. Uh, I just don't see it. I don't see them being competitive. I know they're five and two, which is a, a damn good record, and they played some good teams. But now you're you got the Rams coming in, then it's the Raiders, Packers, Falcons, Seahawks, Cardinals. <laughs> we'll see what kind of team Vikings are in the next five weeks. We'll come back to this and see where the Vikings are. Guaranteed, they're not even in the top twenty. Oh, maybe top twenty, but you know that's because the league is just down overall. Steelers, uh, hey, the, the Landry Jones and Ben Roethlisberger, if you can bear the two, Landry Jones is having a better season than Ben, and it's not even close. Ben, they lost last week. They lost this week. Or they won last week. Sorry, they they, they lost this week. It, the offense has been nothing, 10 and 9 points. I, I'm not really scared. They moved down. Now here's an interesting one: the Raiders at ten. I, I do believe the Raiders are are a better team than people think they are. I don't know how that's going to translate in a playoff seed or in the playoffs. I they 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 have a good foundation. Let me tell you, Derek Carr from what I've seen on Sunday, really progressed. He's a, a nice quarterback. He hits 
the receivers in stride when they're open. And that's all you ask out of your quarterback. He doesn't make mistakes. Against a, a, a good Jet secondary, who was supposed to be the, the, the cream of the crop in the league, and he dismantled the Jets. So watch out for the Raiders this year. The Jets are number 11. Uh, who knows? We lost to the Patriots. That's the only acceptable loss I'll take. The Eagles and the Raiders are, are – it is what it is. We'll see what comes up. We got a really weak schedule, so – Sure, the Jets will be floating around playoff time, and then you got the Eagles, Rams at twelve and thirteen. That's dude, that's mix and match, you know, paint by numbers right there. Seahawks at fourteen. I, I don't understand why the Seahawks keep on getting this recognition, like they're a good football team. They're not a good football team. Russell Wilson is an average quarterback. He's nothing special. The way Russell Wilson beats you is the the threat of his running. And you always got to be prepared for that. And when he needs to make a big play, he does. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a great quarterback. Colin Kaepernick did that a couple of years ago. And now Colin, Colin Kaepernick's on the bench. And rounding out the top 15 is the Giants. Hey, if you're uh, if you're in position to win a division, yeah, you should be in the top 15. The Giants have a high-powered offense. We'll see what JPP can do for them. We talked about that before. So there's your top 15 power rankings i i i'm always intrigued by them i like talking about them for some reason but yeah later on in the week uh we got hopefully some jets writers and giants writers coming in to talk about the jets and giants talk a little bit about you know we're taking the jets balls because i know you guys probably aren't you know over and done talking about that season and we'll talk about basketball season going forward so uh good show today uh 347-990-635 you want to call tomorrow Follow me at the Big Rick Show. You want to answer me questions tonight? I'll ask. I'll answer them tomorrow. And uh, it's a good show. See you guys later. And as always, hey, does this suit make me look fat? No, no, no. Your face does. Okay, now I get it. Okay, we're all good now.